outpost here on the V-Twin Life. V-Twin Life is brought to you by a few great companies. One being Crash Inc. Clothing. You can find them out of Oregon. Great company specializing in clothes, doing work on bikes now. You can check them out at CrashInClothing.com. They got a lot of great stuff. Hey, head on over there. Maybe they got something you like. And we can't forget, wild ass. You like pounding miles, you like riding, you want to be in comfort? Hey, maybe strap a wild ass under your ass and ride with an air cushion and be comfortable for hours. And can't forget Custom Dynamics, leading the industry in lighting LED technology. Man, these guys got some great stuff. So head on over to Custom Dynamics and check it out. Now, let's get to another mile post of the V-Twin Life. What is going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in on another Sunday where we are, we're passing mile post 94 tonight with Brad, a.k.a. the Iowa Hog Rider. So, hey, thanks for uh, coming and hanging out tonight, Brad, and kind of sharing your adventures and your story of how you found life on two wheels. Hey, glad to be here. Appreciate the invite. Heck, yeah. I know we've had fun been talking half the afternoon already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's start where like with everybody, man. Where'd, uh, where'd you find motorcycles? Where'd it come into life for you? Uh, I started life on motorcycles when I was six. Uh, growing up on the farm, we had dirt bikes, mini bikes. And as you got older, they just kind of get, kept getting bigger and bigger until we eventually graduated to road bikes. And I think my first official road bike was a Suzuki GS450L. And I graduated up to a V65 Magna. But, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, born and raised in Wisconsin, Harley-Davidson was always the dream. And so I was fortunate enough about four years ago to get my first Harley. And, uh, now I'm up to two Harleys. So that's where it all began for me. Nice. What was the first one? First Harley? Yeah. I still have it. It's a 1997 Electric Glide Ultra Classic with the old 80 cubic inch carbureted Evo. They still sound sweet. They do have a, a distinctive sound. I think, you know, a lot of the engines, like from the Evo, well, then, you know, I mean, I'm real familiar with the Twin Cam, and then it's the Milwaukee is so different sounding. Oh, yeah. The M8. Yeah, I keep the, the 97. It's nice to kind of bop around town on that and not put miles on the the newer bike. But, you know, if the wife and I go out for any kind of a long trip, you know, reliability-wise, it's even if you have an issue, it's easier to get parts for the new bike. It's tough to find parts for a bike that's 25 years old, even even at a local Harley dealership. So True. And I've heard some people say some of the dealerships won't even work on them anymore. No, no, they won't. I, my local dealer here will I know the mechanics real well. They're good friends of mine. I mean, they'll do it on the on the side, but it's it's a challenge to find parts. Fortunately, I've been really lucky. I mean, the Evo has just been a such a good engine for so many years. I've never really had any major issues with it at all. I think I replaced a chain tensioner and a, a um, oh, it's uh, the stator. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. Other than that, that's really the only issue I've had. And, and I was fortunate; I caught a video on YouTube from Doc Harley, who is the mechanic, the Harley mechanic there on on YouTube down in uh, I think North Carolina, talking about it. And I'm like, huh? I wonder. Pull the cover off. I'm like, yep. It was not if; it was when. And ordered a new part. You know, had it 
put it in myself. I mean, that's a couple, couple screws, but yeah, that, it's been a great, great bike, great engine. Doesn't leak. Runs like a top. Let's see. You know, you take care of them. You keep up on the regular maintenance. A lot of them, you know, they'll they'll go the distance. Yeah, I think I've got like sixty nine thousand miles on that one now, which really anymore isn't a lot of miles. No, I mean, yeah, you look at some of these, you know, being part of, you know, following like the long distance rider groups and whatnot, and seeing, you know, pictures of some of these guys as odometers. I mean, it's impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you and the wife, you guys enjoy getting out and traveling and, you know, getting out, spending time on the bike or, you know, what kind of, what's your kind of style? We do. We, we, you know, we've got some good friends that are about our age. We're in our mid to late fifties and we really enjoy more than anything, the benefit ride. We really enjoy doing that. And, you know, feel like you're giving back in a way to a good cause, especially if it's for the, the kids, you know. Um, our son had some, some health issues when he was in his teens and everything turned out great, which we're really fortunate. So we don't forget that and really appreciate everything that, that goes into taking care of those kids. And so anytime we have an opportunity to do a benefit ride, my wife is, is actually um, really big into the Wisconsin Badger Camp, which is a, a non-for-profit publicly donation funded camp for kids with disabilities. So they do a lot of great work, charity work to raise funds to help those kids out. So we enjoy doing that every chance we get. That's awesome. It It, it is fun to, you know, being able to do something you enjoy and then turn it into a way to, to get back and, and what I think it's, it says a lot. I think, you know, it's just a great thing to do. You know, if you can do something you enjoy, which is riding, and, you know, you can find some of these organizations that need help. And, you know, if you can enjoy some time miles and you're benefiting something, it's awesome. It's a win-win. It is. It really is. You know, the veterans, I have the utmost respect for, for all of our veterans. Every chance we get, uh, I've got some really good friends that are veterans, and we'd love to ride for, for their causes, anything that they're doing. Um, I think that's really the great thing about the entire motorcycle community is just the brotherhood sisterhood the giving back part of it and you know a lot of people i think have the preconceived notion based on what they see in tv and movies about what a biker is and you know when you really get back and you you know people that that ride and that that participate in some of these events you realize that there's some bikers are some of the most giving people there are it doesn't matter where you're at in the country i mean go out on a weekend, a nice weekend, and you can be traveling down the road, and you know, all of a sudden you'll see 50, 80, 100 bikes go by. Chances are they're riding a benefit for something or someone. Yeah. Very true. And, you know, a lot of them will get it, the stereotype just that's been there forever. But, no, you're right. A lot of you'll see some of those massive packs, and it's like good chance, exactly what you're saying, is they're doing some sort of benefit for, for a cause or for an individual. Yeah, that. Yeah, the motorcycle community as a whole is is a great community. It is, it, without without a doubt. You know, I, I I look back a year ago, I basically sat on the couch for 12 weeks during the prime of the riding season because I had some surgeries I had to go through. And it just drives you nuts. You know, it's a nice sunny day. You want to get out and ride, but you can't. But the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the, the appreciation I got 
being a part of the motorcycle community community from a lot of people that at that point I had never even met was fantastic. I mean, it, it really kind of made my day, you know, whether it was a YouTube video that you could watch and kind of ride along with them, so to speak, or just the messages you would get, uh, words of encouragement, yeah, just phenomenal. You, you can't say enough. Until you've gone through it, it's, it's probably hard for a lot of people to really uh, appreciate. But once you go through that and, and you get that type of feedback from fellow writers, it, it just means the world. True. It is, it is a great support and a great network. So besides your Evo, so you also got what, your 21 Nas at the Road King? Uh, I've got a 20, that's actually a 19 model year uh, electric light standard. Oh, okay. Yeah. What kind of goodies you done to that? Uh, let's see. New wheels, fenders, saddlebags, fender, rear fender, tour pack, stereo, interfering, windshield. So I guess I should ask what's what's stock on it? <laughs> uh, the cylinder covers. That's about it. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Literally, that's about the only thing standard left on that thing. But when I bought it, that I had, I was very fortunate. I've got some really good friends that they're, they're talented way beyond my means. And they build bikes. And you know, that's what they do. So I learned a lot from them. But going into, I, I knew I wanted a new bike. But I knew I didn't want standard Harley factory you know, even a special because I'm going to tear it apart and I'm going to make it my own. So for me, this buying a standard was, was a great option. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I didn't have the, the expenses as you would a, a special, but I knew exactly what I wanted to do to it. So I was going to be taking a lot of stuff out. You know, you think of a Harley boom box. Well, I didn't want the Harley boom box. Um, so going with the standard for me was a great option to really be able to customize and build the bike I wanted to build without spending, you know, a lot of extra dollars. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you take a lot of those parts off, what are you going to do with them? Right. If you sell them, you're basically going to give them away. So. And what uh, was it? 19 or 20 was the last year of the standard. You can't get it anymore. Uh, yeah, I think 20 or 20, 21 might've been the last year. Okay. Yeah, I knew it was right around there because, which is, I I don't know, I think it's kind of crazy, especially like what you're saying, you know, if a guy wants to buy a bike, has all kinds of ideas and plans, they're going to change and make it their own, which is awesome. I think everybody should do that to their bikes, but now you you don't have that option. You got to go, you know, standard, the special, or not standard, but the special or, you know, whatever, because you just can't get the plain Jane standard, which I think was, I don't know, I didn't see the smarts of them not doing it, but. I don't know. I'm not a marketing individual with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a catch 22, I guess. I mean, I, I can understand it from Harley's corporate point of view. You know, when you think of tooling and production and, and that whole process, having multiple models, base models with different variations, it just adds to your overhead. So I, I get that part of it. But then again, you know, for somebody trying to get into motorcycling who wants to get a touring bike, you know, you look at the prices of a of a brand new, whether it's road ride or street glide special, or even more the CVOs. I mean, those, those are beautiful bikes, but Lord. Yeah. They're not cheap. 
SCVO is way out of my price range and will never be in my garage. <laughs> me too. Well, and, you know, because, like, the first thing that really struck me the, the very first year I went to Sturgis in 2020, you can walk up and down the street. Lord knows there's something thousand bikes lined up there. You never see two bikes identical to one another. There's always something different about it, and that's the unique thing about being in the motorcycle culture and it's not just harley but you know motorcycles in general everybody customizes it kind of makes their own and yeah. you, know, you look at a cbo you're gonna spend that kind of money and then start taking things off of it because you want to make it your own it just seems a little crazy yeah by then you're in a six-figure bike <laughs> pretty quick yeah it won't take long <laughs> But they do have some beautiful colors. You know, I mean, some of the CVOs, I've always loved the black and white. The skunk one was one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I thought the twenty, the 120th anniversaries, uh, they were really sharp from what I've seen. I, I haven't seen one up in person yet, but I think they look really nice. That paint yeah. was pretty sharp, pretty sharp. So when you get out, like, touring, you know, talking about riding you and your wife together, you guys enjoy doing, you know, like, multi-day adventures on the bike? Or, you know, what's kind of your setup when it goes for, you know, whether you're going three- to five-day adventure? Typically, if she's with me, it's it, it'll be a weekend, maybe like a one night, maybe two nights somewhere. But generally, it's, it's relatively close. Um, she's not big into the, the long miles. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going to stop every couple hours, you know, for a break somewhere when she's riding with me. So it, we like to pick a spot and, okay, let, let's go try this and we'll we'll ride over there and, you know, try something new. A lot of what we do is if it's not for benefit of some type, it's maybe go visit a, a place, get a bite to eat, grab something to drink, you know, try something new, that kind of thing. Yeah. They're fun adventures. You know, find a, a new hole-in-the-wall place, you know, and yeah. grab a drink, grab some food, and it is fun. Explore the back roads and find that hidden America. It, you're absolutely right, and that is the most fun it, it are those little hidden gems that are out absolutely. in the middle of the back roads. I, I'm personally, I don't really enjoy riding on the interstate. If I want to get from A to B in a hurry, great, jump on the interstate, but... The adventure and the fun is is and the memories are really created when you take those off the off the beaten path type places yep. and, and you know those are where you find the, the hidden gems and and you really build some memories and I try and capture as much of that as I can and and you know put some type of video together usually um, but that's a lot of fun. So that was another question I was you know wanted to get to is what made you want to do the old youtube scene well for me it really started out as a way to share the memories i created with friends because you know if you capture some good video footage on your face it we all started probably on using our phones the files are too big to email them so how do you share those memories and that you created with others and so i well put it on youtube I can just send you a link and it's always there for anybody who wants to watch it. So that's kind of where it started from. And, you know, I look back at the first videos I ever put together and my God, did they suck? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing. Not that I know a whole lot more now, but, but that's what so many people, you know, I've, 
I'm in that right there at that point. And I, you know, from so many different channels, I mean, not just within, you know, motoblock channels or motorcycle, they always talk about, you know, your first 15, 20 or whatnot, they're not going to be the greatest. You're going to see your evolution, see how you progress, but everybody starts somewhere and you just got to pull the trigger and you just do it. Yeah. yeah. And you learn as you go. Kind of like doing this. I mean, I, I've learned a lot as I've been going and still having an absolute blast doing it. Oh, yeah. I, I you know, I, I really enjoy this. And, and again, the camaraderie, if you're not on the video or, or on the live stream of the chat. And it, I, I've joked about this with some others before. I think back a couple of years ago, you get on the live stream with somebody that you started following and and you're talking to one another, but it's always based on your YouTube name. Well, now we've gotten to know each other and it's hilarious how we call everybody by their first name <laughs> you know even though in, in some cases we've never but, met right here marine rider yeah you bet grant met grant yeah. last year had a great time yeah so it's been it's been a lot of fun oh it is it, it's it's a lot of fun when you get it's like you feel you know these people and you, you interact with them for so long when you finally get to meet in person. It, it's a lot of fun, but it's like you feel like you've known the person forever. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the list over here, you know, Grant and, and Des and um, God, just so many people that, that we've gotten to know and I've been fortunate enough to meet them. I, the best experience I honestly had last year at Sturgis was actually getting to meet so many of the fellow YouTubers that we had been either on live streams with or chatted with on live chats. We actually got to meet and oh, it was just fantastic. You know, it was a blast. Oh, I bet that's, you know, in a way that the best reward of doing it all when you finally get a, get that friendship face to face and not, you know, I guess the way you could say we're face, you know, we're over a computer monitor, but when you can, you know, get out there and give you know hang out shake hands bro hugs everything it's just it's awesome yeah yeah well and even the the learning communities you know i'm not an expert in photography and video editing and heck i still use an ipad and iMovie and you know no oh, yeah but if you have a question you can put a quick note out there and you'll get 10 or 15 responses like right away and people that are much, much better at it, you know, really understand it better than I do. But the willingness to help a fellow YouTuber, you know, try and put together better content is just unbelievable. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm, you know, Brian the Biker, he's been a great, an awesome friend. I feel like we've been friends our whole life. We've still never met face to face, talked to the guy multiple times a week. And He's the one that has, you know, been the biggest support and helped me get to where I am here on YouTube. It was always a plan. He's, oh, I'm going to get there eventually. And finally, you know, he's like, huh, no, we're doing this. And, you know, with this support of me, and heck, you know, my microphone, he sent me some little goodies. He's like, let's do this. And it's like, holy crap. You know, hooked a few things up and it's like, well, hell, let's do this. And, you know, two and a half hours later, you know, me and, me and Brian and Sets of Pendants are doing the first live on YouTube. And <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, but it was a lot of fun. And, it is, you know, you, you get that support within the community of people that we know, and there's always somebody that that kind of can lead you in the direction you're going, or has that bit of advice you need, and that's what we're all here for. Yeah. Well, and the, the other thing I find it 
very interesting is you know everybody's got their their take on it i'm i'm not one that's looking to get a hundred thousand subscribers and you know that actually you know beggars and brews has a great point it's not a competition some people really get lost in that which is very true exactly yeah but but in this community it doesn't matter you know if that's your goal people are going to support you in your goal if you know others are like me where it is what it is i do it for friends and family <clears throat> they're just as supportive Oh yeah, it's like Springer Mike. I God, I talk to him at least two, three times a week. I don't know why. I mean, him and Nick, they're great dudes. I, I can't wait to till we get a chance to meet up at uh, Sturgis this year. It's oh, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Well, you're gonna be up there, so. Yeah. That's gonna be. I'm looking forward to that. I'll be at the Wild Ass booth. Slinging seats, meet new people. Well, you get done slinging seats and meet new people. You come over and we'll throw something on the grill. There we go. I'm always down for that. <laughs> but no, it's like you said, you know, it's YouTube can be a lot of fun. It all depends, I guess, in a way how serious and some people can get very lost in the analytics and numbers. And, you know, I, I've always had the goal that, you know, I wanted to get the V twin life here and, and do it like this. And man, it's just, it's a lot of fun for me. I, I enjoy every, every mile post is so much fun. And every mile post is a new friend. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the best reward of, of all this is, you know, I've made now 94 new friends doing, doing this and it's so much fun. Yeah. Well, you and I met actually what, probably for, for the first time, what, maybe a month ago. Yeah. I think on uh Stevie's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, other than that, I followed you and, and yeah, vice versa. Went back and forth, but we actually never talked to one another until that time. So, you know, look at us now. Here we are today. You know, it's, it's I, well. It's I, funny, you know. Like earlier, you know, you and I were talking earlier this afternoon, and you know how much we actually have in common. You know, the, <laughs> even to back to the points of, of how we grew up. You know, similar jobs, and and we're both you know, carnivores. Ah. We're both carnivores. You know, we love grilling, we love eating, we love barbecuing, and we love good beer. Yeah, and bourbon. Shit, we got to made. You'd swear we were brothers from a dumb, from a different mother or something. Exactly. Yeah, it's just funny, you know, talking how much, you know, the similarities we had, you know, in our younger years from growing up was, it was comical. And the interests, you know, we share so many common interests. Like, holy shit, that's pretty good. <laughs> that was funny. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, that it was. So what do you think is one of your favorite places that you've, uh, you know, you've got a visitor, you know, favorite ride that really is stuck out to you when it comes to motorcycle adventures. Uh, Sturgis, first and foremost, is the best place I've gone to ride. My favorite ride so far has been Spearfish Canyon. I really enjoyed Spearfish yeah. Canyon. I just, I love the long sweeping turns and the scenery and it's just, it's, it's something you don't find in Iowa, I can guarantee you that. But, yeah, because you're pretty much, I mean, Iowa's just flat, ain't it? For the most part, until you get over by the Mississippi River, now, there's some phenomenal riding in northeast Iowa. Uh, when you get into the bluffs along the Mississippi, it's it's actually not a whole lot different than than the Black Hills. Um, but to me, you know, just the, the, the whole environment, the, the vibe around Sturgis and, and everything is is. Been my favorite. 
I know the wife and I really want to get back over there, but we'd love to do another trip and spend at least five days, but go pre-rally, you know, do another like June trip like we did last year, but spend more time. Cause I mean, there's so much stuff to see oh, and yeah. it's hard. I mean, you know, we end up having a shorter bit of time. To, well, I did, I wouldn't say so much. She did. Cause she had a girlfriend. They were checking stuff out. They had the car, but I mean, I spent a day at the Harley shop broken, but there's just so much to see. And even three days, there's no way you could pack so much stuff in if you really want to explore and see the vast history of, of what's out there. Because it is a beautiful piece of America. Oh, yeah. I, I'll never forget. So leading up to 2020, which was going to be my very first trip to Sturgis, I watched every video on YouTube about Sturgis I could. I kept a list of all the different destinations I wanted to ride to. I didn't get to all of them. 21, I didn't get to go. 22, I went out last year. I got a few more checked off, but I still haven't hit every ride that, that I'd like to get to. Um, like you say, it, it, I think last year I was out there in eight days. <laughs> I still didn't get to them all. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you one place you got to put on your list that I found, and we found it thanks to... Uh... Uh, I'm going to brain fart for a minute, but as the boar's nest in Leeds, South Dakota, just south of Deadwood, yeah. that two-lane life, there we go. Yep. They, it was on their story like two weeks before I went over there. And so me and Sessor Pendants and my son Hayden, we went up there and had a beer and some and some brew, and that is the coolest hangout there is. It was freaking awesome. Yeah, it's been on my list twice, and I still haven't gotten there. Yeah, it was on ours. We came down off, well, we came out of Spearfish Canyon and down to Deadwood. Like, hold on, you know, pull up. We're taking a left. We're going up to the Boar's Nest. And it was, you know, a couple miles of the junction there, Deadwood. And, oh, well worth it. My, my stickers are there. There's one in the bathroom and then there's one on the side door. You got to uh, tag the places, you know? I'm trying to think what's the other place as you come into Keystone, the steak joint there. Uh, we. Oh, we ate at one place in Keystone. Pink, uh, Steel Pony, Pink Pony, something like that. I think I got a picture. We had we did breakfast just before going up to uh, uh, Mount Rushmore and stuff that Sunday morning, which is funny because none of us paid attention as we walk in. And there's a sign on the front door that says cash only. Oh, yeah. awesome. <laughs> but yeah, we had it covered, but. Powder. Oh. I don't remember. I know Mike and Nick. You guys are watching. You remember where we had breakfast in in uh, Keystone? I know we took a picture of it. I think we had one. I see my good friend Tom there. Tom in the live chat powderhouse. Yeah, that was. I, well, he and I were supposed to meet last year there for dinner, and that didn't quite pan out. But uh, I guess part of the fun is it just gives you a reason to go back again year after year peggy's home cooking that's what it was right up on the corners you head up towards mount rushmore okay i'll have to add that to my list i haven't i don't remember that one yeah a little place in keystone if as you're going through keystone head towards mount rushmore you're about to round the last corner and you can see the gondola it, or or the zip line that's what it was it's right there on your left cool little you know little mom and pop restaurant but the food's pretty good Yeah, then we did the boar's nest, 
And then on the way back, we stopped at the uh, the Fort Saloon and Eatery in Casper, Wyoming. Fuck, that was some amazing food. That place is freaking good. Yeah. Well, you know, to me, you get out around Sturgis, outside of the the rally, it's small-town rural America, you know? Yeah, very small town. Well, especially, you know, pre-rally time, very much there. Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, a lot of those places you go into, it's it's what I'm accustomed to. It's, it's good home-cooked food, large portions, more than I really probably need. And, yeah, uh, I venture to those places, too. But sometimes it's just hard not to eat at all. I know. <laughs> you feel guilty <laughs> if you don't clean your plate up, right? You, you yeah. Know. Very true. Especially like tonight when I had leftovers of fettuccine and steak. It's like, fuck, shouldn't have made this much, but goddamn, it's good. Well, you know, they make that big grate on the grill so you can fill it up. Oh, I did last night, trust me. Those are some damn good steaks. Oh. <laughs> oh, that is good. So, you know, where you're at in Iowa, so kind of what's the population where you live? So I'm in East Central Iowa. I live in uh, Waterloo, which is the home of John Deere. So, you know, if you've ever seen a, a John Deere tractor parked along the road anywhere, that's where it comes from is here in Waterloo. That's probably the biggest employer. And then you have uh, Cedar Falls. So I, I think we're around 85,000 people maybe. Oh, Jesus. So that's, yeah, that's a larger town. Yeah, I'm guessing I could be way off on that. But. Yeah, well, I know, like for instance, I know I think Port Angeles, where I'm at, we're around twenty thousand, I think. Yeah, it's it's a lot of manufacturing, and uh, you know, obviously being in Iowa here, it's a lot of agriculture. So. Well, yeah, I can see that. So, how long does it take? So, you know, if you want to get out, you know, just kind of get out in the, you know, some of the farm roads, back roads, cruising. How you know how much? How much distance you got to cover before you're, you know, out in just kind of no man's land in a way? Uh, two miles. Oh shit! Okay. You know, I mean, you, you go out the uh, go out the driveway, take a right, take a left, and you're in farm farm country. So it doesn't take long to get lost around here. So if someone's up visiting your area, what's a good steak place to go? To you know, a good place to eat in in your neck of the woods. Uh there's a a lot of. Uh, we call them supper clubs around here. I don't know. I, I've I've noticed, like growing up in Wisconsin, you know, you find these little hole-in-the-wall places. It used to be somebody's house that now is a, a supper club, steak, seafood, that type of thing. They're all over the place. So there's a lot of really good little places like that if, if you want a good steak. Um, talk, you know, talk to the locals. They'll, they'll point you in the right direction pretty quick. Mm -hmm. um, if you get towards the you know bigger cities, you know, Iowa's really got about four or five major cities in it, and that's about it. You've got your typical chain restaurants, you know, your Texas Roadhouse and, and Lone Star and, and all those, but there's actually a, a lot of uh, really, really good little places if you just can find your way to them. They're mm -hmm. nowhere. I like that. There's a lot of if you build it, he will come areas around Brad. <laughs> yeah. 
Tell you what, that's one place I would love to come visit up there is Field of Dreams. I, I was just going to say, I know you, you and the boys here, your boys are big into baseball. Oh, I, yeah. Honestly, if, if you ever get the chance, uh, I, I can't encourage anybody enough. you got to go to Field of Dreams. It's, now, it's, how far is that from where you're at? Uh, from where I'm at, it's 40 miles maybe. Okay, so that ain't too bad, really. Too far, no. Um, Desiree from uh, Windrow Therapy, we went over there last year, had a had an absolute blast. And she did a phenomenal job on her video, but trust me, what she put in that video was edited to the hilt because she had a lot of footage that I think probably didn't show up. But uh, it's, uh, it's unique, and it's... Uh, not many times do you get an opportunity to just walk onto a, a place where an iconic movie was made and you know bring a ball and a glove and play catch i i've been there <coughs> excuse me so many times i can't even begin to count but um any so as you pull in the driveway there's there's fields and and one of my research plots was there and, and so i was there five six times a week any day of the week you show up there, there will be people out there playing catch. Even oh, though, wow. You know, uh, it's amazing. People come from all over the, literally all over the world, will will be there on any given day. So it's it's pretty, pretty, pretty neat. So it's basically, I guess, open to the public then. It is. Uh, it's not really a, they ask for a donation when you pull in. You don't have to give a donation to mm-hmm. get but you know, that's it helps for the upkeep and, and some of those things. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a very unique place. I would encourage anybody if you come, uh, definitely bring a ball and a glove. But you want to take the tour too. Um, they have uh, a number of older gentlemen now that that actually were in the movie as extras that will dress up in the authentic period baseball uniforms and. And they'll give you a, you know, really good uh, tour. You can tour through the house that the movie was shot in, and then obviously you've got the field out there, and that's what everybody comes for. Um, that would just be awesome. Yeah. You know what? It, it was a an iconic movie, especially you know when it came to baseball. Is you know anybody that has a, that passion of life also a baseball? It's man, that was just it was an awesome movie. It's so cool great story funny how it shows up as you know such an iconic movie it was shot on a shoestring shoestring budget <laughs> literally i mean and how in the world they picked dyersville iowa i have no idea but uh, well then to see that like, what last year the you know who do you have the yankees and the was it the Sox playing that was the first year last year was uh was it the two different teams well, yeah, usually it is two teams, Brad. You know, you got to <laughs> each side. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, uh, was it the Cubs and the – I'm drawing a blank in the other one. Cincinnati and the Cubs. Cincinnati and the Cubs, that's right. So I wonder if they're going to start doing that yearly then. The plan was, was to hold a yearly, a yearly game. Now, my understanding is there's been a large – um, company, uh, investor company that bought the ground around it and they want to turn it into this big destination development thing. 
and it's oh. caused a, a lot of a lot of people in Iowa to be upset because you're taking away from the the nostalgia of what the Field of Dreams is, mm-hmm. and the the people locals, you know, the, when they had the idea of bringing Major League Baseball there for a game, but that field that the movie was shot on is not Major League size, and right? So the major league said, we have to build a major league park. We'll build it over here, which people weren't happy about, but they understood why. Okay. We did it. And and they did a fantastic job the way they, they built it and really didn't look obtrusive to the, the natural settings, the way they put it together and all the stands are, you know, they put them up, tear them down. So they're not permanent stands and some of those things. So we were okay with that, but this idea of building a hotel and, a multiplex with umpteen different ball fields to host kids baseball tournaments really didn't fly well it didn't go over very well but it is what it is i mean they own the land they can do what they want with it at this point so yeah. i guess we'll find out you know see how it turns out but it's still neat to be able to get out to the the field of dreams itself yeah true now we've got sidetracked on that squirrel hole of baseball, which, you know, it's another passion of mine, so it's, all, it's good. So besides doing, like, Sturges this year, you got any other, you know, ride plans or adventures that your bucket list you're going to try to knock out this year? I definitely want to get over to Milwaukee this year for the 120th. Um, wanted to get there for the 115th, couldn't make that happen. And, uh, you know, being the 120th anniversary, I think that's uh, usually Harley does a, a really good job of, of celebrating those five-year milestones. So I want to get over to that. Being born and raised in Wisconsin, there's, you know, my heart goes to Harley every day and twice on Sunday. So uh, I'm really looking forward to, to getting over on that. And then uh, obviously Sturgis. And we've got a, a local rally on the 4th of July weekend, the Abate Rally, which is always a lot of fun. So get to go up to that there. That's kind of up in North Central Iowa with uh, a lot of my friends. and and we'll do that and then maybe uh try and get down to the k river uh this year we'll see how things kind of shake out there but so you're gonna try and do the stubborn america down there yeah the stubborn american yeah so from where you're how far is that for you to get down there oh that's probably i'm guessing eight nine hours okay yeah a lot closer for you in the day yeah, I think it's like 2,000 miles from my house. Just over that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that'd be a little bit more of a day trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd definitely be a, a longer day. And then some. <laughs> Even beyond a bun burner. There you go. Now, you got some, some big plans for, for this writing season. We were talking earlier about uh, some... Yeah, we got. I'll be doing part of the Monsters 100 for Mile Monsters. That starts May 4th, ends August 11th. It's now two riders per day for 100 days, each rider riding 1,000 miles, with the end goal of raising $200,000. And this ride will benefit Drew, who's one of the young boys of Mile Monsters, who is now confined to a wheelchair, and the family needs to get a wheelchair van and they've kind of come upon some hard times themselves as Drew's dad has been having some heart problems and 
So he's one of the boys here with Mile Monsters. We do whatever we can to help these boys live their best lives. And so they're going to be the recipient of, uh, we want to raise enough money to get a brand new hero hauler for him and get it all outfitted with wheelchair lifts. And cool thing is the ride is going to end in Sturgis. So there's going to be a big little gathering actually at Black Hills Harley Davidson, August 11th, when Chris Hopper will be the final rider coming in. Because this, this ride was modeled after his 100,000 mile, 100 day ride. And so Riot starts at May 4th, and Chris Hopper will finish it. But there will be, it'll be announced later for the guys that are riding it, where they can meet up with. So there might be a large group will meet up and ride the last 100 miles into Sturgis with him. Then we're flying the boys and the families. That uh, You got Alfie in Ireland. You got Drew. He's in, uh, I think it's Pennsylvania. You got Gavin down in Texas and Turbo in California. So we're going to fly them and their families up to Sturgis for the weekend, do a big barbecue with them, and, you know, let the boys be boys for a weekend and let them live their best lives and we'll hang out and have a good time. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah then, so we got that. And then I have my ride August, I think it's 20th, 21st of August, the Monsters Over Mountains, which would be another 1,500 mile and under 36 hour ride as we crisscross the mountain passes and explore the northwest i'm still working on the final route but last year we had a really good one we zigzagged the cascade mountains including mount hood in oregon so we're gonna do something similar to that and you know help help raise some more funds for mile monsters which you know they're a, a 501c3 nonprofit organization so everything that we raise goes right to them and we can help these boys who live with duchenne's which is a terminal disease try to live their best lives and also try to get Duchenne in the public eye to do what we can to get more funding and more research and hopefully someday we can find a cure and these boys won't lose their lives yeah no that's fantastic yeah that's you never you never wish ill upon most anybody but especially no. it's, you know, it's just, exactly just... you know especially if you know being a parent you know you just you just oh, i you feel blessed and fortunate when, you know, your kids are healthy and everything goes great. But, you know, you look at these boys and I've got to know these boys and it's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Not just for the boys. I mean, and then the parents, I mean, it's, you know, you look at these boys, it's amazing. You know, they're your heroes of what they do, but so are the parents. I mean, a hundred times the strength and dedication of what they go through too is absolutely amazing. Yeah. I'll never forget in 21 when I had my, my first surgery, you know, they, they will you out and, and you're in, you know, fine to get to your room and, and they, you don't get to lay there very long. They, they're going to get you up and, you know, get you moving. And I wouldn't move very fast, but I was moving and I'm walking down the halls in Iowa city is the stud family children's hospital, which is phenomenal, you know, for, for pediatric medi medicine. And, you know, as I'm shuffling down the halls trying to get my exercise like they wanted me to, you know, I could see into these rooms and, and the kids and I'm thinking, boy, you know, as bad as I thought I felt, when you look at what those kids are going through in some of those rooms, it's like. Yep. I was one of those kids a long time ago. But uh, Mike, actually, anybody that follows me on Facebook, whether my personal page or if you follow the V Twin Life Facebook page. The Monster 100 fundraiser is pinned at the top of both my pages. It's going through uh, givebutter.com, and that way everybody that is on the ride 
each person can sets up their own individual, but then there's also the tally of everybody's together at the top. So it was a, it's a new place that Biomosh is trying out, and I guess it's it's working really well for them. So if anybody wants to make a donation, it's on both Facebook pages, my personal and the V Twin Life, and anything and everything. You know, you want to give up a coffee money for a day? Hey, that's awesome. Everything helps, or even just sharing it. You know, we get it out there in the eye, and that's what it's all about. You bet. But yeah, Children's Hospital is an amazing hospital. I was younger and spent a, a good amount of time in the in Children's Hospital from a motorcycle wreck. <laughs> but you can't quit. You just got to keep going. Yeah, that's all you can do. There we go. Trying to figure out how to. Share this in the chat so people can see it. Here we go. Copy. Now I gotta see how smart I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I can't figure it out, I just give it to my 11 year old grandsons. I hear, put this on there, make this work. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. very true. Usually within two minutes, it's up and running. There we go. There's the link. I popped it up. It should show up here in a minute, I hope. But yeah, you can find it on both Facebook pages. So, everybody, yeah, thank you very much for your support. If you guys head over there, guys and gals. So, what are the kind of plans you got for this year, Brad? Are you going to do any more goodies to your bike? or? Um, got a few little upgrades. Uh, I ordered the upgraded stereo and amps. So, with the tour pack on now, I'll put a couple speakers in the back to that and, and then I uh, ordered the center stand for it electric center stand um, other than that maybe the lower chrome the lower forks it's about the only thing I got left to change out <laughs> otherwise there's nothing left of the original bike outside of the engine how many miles are on it uh, just short of 20 okay yeah, not bad. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty much a good overhaul if you've basically gotten everything except, you know, the motor and it's all been changed. But, I mean, I guess, you know, smart when you buy the standard because you know what you want to do and you got a plan in mind. Yeah, you know, for me, I, I like I say, I, I knew what I wanted to wanted to look like and, you know, what that was going to entail. And I just didn't see the need to buy a special when I'm going to tear so much of it apart and put something on it that I you know want to make it my own so it was a good option for me might not be the option for everybody but but see that's just it you bought a bike and you made it yours you, you did what you want so I don't I mean I don't see where you're wrong so you know it might not be for everybody you know what it's for you and it's your bike and you took it the angle of the avenue that you wanted and so I love it yeah the, the 107's been a, a good engine for me I can't complain about it would a 114 or a bigger engine be nice? Yeah, probably, but it, it, that's not the way I ride. You know, I, I'm there for the comfort. I'm going to get from point A to point B, and trying to get there in half the time is, is not, doesn't interest me because to me, you miss too much. Have you done any goodies to the engine? I haven't at this point. I toyed around with the idea of doing a page one and stage two on it. 
but at this point, I have not cracked the engine open. Well, then if it's still running good, I mean, you're enjoying it. You know, you obviously you keep up on all the daily maintenance, and and you're still just a little beyond your broke end stage, and got a long ways to go. My cousin, he bought the Streetlight Special the same year I bought mine. And, you know, so he had the 114, I had the 107. And, you know, we're cousins. We raced since we were six years old on dirt bikes. And, well, you just got to do it again. But the 114, you know, once you get up to speed, he could pull away from me. But, you know, off the line, I didn't notice any difference between his bike and my bike. It was, it was more at that top end that he could. Yeah, a little more torque pulling away in the, in the long run. So I'm happy with the 107. It, 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 oh, my, you know, my dad has it. He did, you know, he went on his, he did the true duels on his 19. He put a cam in it, new tuner, slip ons, and an intake. Said it, the difference is night and day. Especially he goes just with the true duels. He goes, I'll get rid of that restriction. You open it up. He goes, it's huge difference, just the exhaust. I was shocked. I put tabs on mine, and I could not believe just putting the slip-ons on how big a difference that made. Oh, they're so restricted. You know, everything comes with the California emissions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they don't breathe well. Well, I always find it interesting, you know, especially like each year when the new models are kind of come out, you know, and, and there's... Lord knows how many channels, you know, everybody's got their video out on, on the, the new release products. And why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? And I, I kind of chuckled to myself. Maybe it's just because of where I grew up and, and knowing the history of Harley. I think it was out on what Discovery Channel a few years ago. There's a three part series called Harley and the Davidsons. That was an awesome series. I really enjoyed that. I did too. And if you watch that, Harley didn't sponsor it, but Harley opened up the museum to the producers and, and any technical information. They gave them blueprint so they could build those rep replica bikes and, and try and make it as authentic as they could. But there's a lot of truth to that three-part series. And if you think, uh, I think it's Part two, where um, Walter Davidson's are talking about the cottage industry and how that spurs other businesses and, and provides opportunities for others to provide parts that you can put on a Harley, it's still a big part of their culture. Even though we have the CBOs, which are, are really sweet, but that ability to customize your bike and make it your own is really goes way way back and you know granted, good point you know and harley has to play by the rules right they have to meet federal emissions standards and so as much as they'd like to do some things technically they know how to do it but they're not allowed to do it right you and i can buy it and we can do whatever we want to it at that point so you know i, I always kind of chuckle at some of those Videos have come out, and, and you know some of the perspective others have. I don't think they really understand regulations. The regulations that Harley has, they have to play by. And then you know, part of it is also that that culture that is part of Harley, and, and they, they don't 
build them the way everybody wants them off the floor because that takes away from a lot of these other businesses that can provide employment and you know support the local communities and tax dollars and you know there's a lot that goes into that and it's all still giving everybody the ability to make a harley their own so it's, it's kind of interesting it's a good point i think it's it's all part of of owning a motorcycle it's doing the little things to it that makes it stand out that makes it unique and speaks to you because it's your bike yeah 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 you know we, we all have our own you know our own quirks and the own things we like and just because you know sam does it doesn't mean that joe's got to do the same thing or you know i mean sure you might see somebody's bikes like that's oh, just you know not my cup of tea but it is his and he likes it and he did it so hey that's awesome yeah. well, make them your own the other day somebody was talking about building a hardtailed chopper for a long ride there's a guy that does it he's got a huge stretched out chopper and i can't remember the name his name he's i see his post sometimes in the long distance riders group i mean this thing's got like a seven eight foot front end and he's been traveling the world on this chopper it's got an old evo motor in it and it is insane but dude's been riding it all over the world you know i, I laugh about that i think about a, a a new off the floor touring bike we all complain that the suspension <laughs> for long touring sucks on one of those can you imagine making the a hardtail chopper on a log ride? You know, you no. Suspension. Uh-huh. <laughs> Holy crap. Dude, my stock suspension on my Harley is bad enough. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But and they were know. shorter, actually, because I mean, mine was swapped over to a street glide suspension to lower it on my road glide. My dad had did that before I had, well, a couple years back. So he wanted to sit a little lower, you know, look kind of cool. But, man... If it was finally wore out and I'm looking forward to, you know, finally getting some miles and really seeing how much I, the difference in how I like the new shocks that I got on it now that I put on last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I, I had to laugh the day I put them on. I went up to my dad's and it wasn't too bad. It was, you know, kind of overcast. So it's like, you know, it's 45 degrees. It's like, fuck it. I'm gonna wear a heavy sweatshirt. It's like 10 miles to my dad's house. So I ride up to dad's. Open his garage door. We roll his his road glide off the bike lift because just he always parks it on there and pull it out. Put mine on the lift. Bring his back in and shut the door because it was cold out. You know he had a fire going in the shop and work on the bike for about two hours. All right, cool. You know we're done. Everything buttoned up. So here I'll put your bike outside and I'll roll mine off because my dad had knee surgery not that long ago. So you know I'll move everything around for him. You know just it's nice to use a shop for that stuff because he's got the bike lift and fuck open the garage door and it's fucking raining. Are you serious? <laughs> Fuck. Well, it's supposed to rain. Uh, like, oh, well, you know, it's it's not far home, but actually it wasn't bad. And The road was more wet once I left his house, and I was still driving and got home, so it's like, hey, shoot, win-win. There you go. Yeah. But, you know, there's people, they, they love their hardtails. Yeah, or there's people that love their bat wings, you know? Yeah. Like Chris. <laughs> or nick yeah i want hardtail as a young man yeah it's different when you're younger it's you know older guys now i don't know yeah and that's true yeah hardtail's old school and then throw a springer on the front yeah i, I just i like my kidney so I'll, I'll i'll stick with some suspension i have no choice i've only got one kidney left so no yeah 
Yeah, gotta, you better stick with that one. Keep that one going, man. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So what you think of the uh, tri-glide, the, the road glide three-wheeler? I like it. But uh, it'd be nice if it had some sort of trunk on the back. Yeah, I didn't understand that. To me, I thought it was odd that Denver brought the shark nose fairing out years ago. I mean, Very true. Other than a couple brackets, it's nothing's different between the two. But yeah, right, exactly. You go from that wing to a shark nose in the front. It is, you know, a couple brackets in the fairing, and same thing. Yeah, but the way they designed that, where you you could put a trunk on, but then you can't access your lower uh, lower trunk, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice, you know, get the upper, you know, tour pack or whatnot, like, you know, some of the other triglides have, and, you know, more storage for those adventures. Yeah. My wife, she's she's like, every time we go in the store, she keeps looking at the three-wheelers. I said, listen, when I cannot hold up two wheels, I'll think about three wheels. Until that point, I am staying on two wheels. Yeah. Well, it's like for me, you know, years back – they changed the laws in Washington, so now I never had my endorsement grandfathered in with a trike endorsement. So if I wanted to go do a trike, I got to go take a class oh. to have that added to my license too, because I don't, I'm not endorsed for a trike. Oh, I have every single thing else imaginable on my license, <laughs> from two wheels to eighteen to hazmat to tankers to doubles and triples, and my license costs enough money. Hazmat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I always thought that was funny. You and I can legally drive an 18-wheeler down the road, but you got to get a special license for a three-wheeler. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can carry hazmat, toxic chemicals, and everything else, but I, I can't ride a trike. All right. <laughs> God, speaking of which, I have to retest for my hazmat if I want to keep it on my license here in a couple of weeks. You have to retest, redo the written test every two years in Washington. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're every every four or five out here. But I've got to do it because of I work in agriculture, so I I'm hauling hauling chemicals, and now I've got two uh, large drone sprays that I play with. So those are pretty cool. You know, you know, two years with my hazmat, I think I've actually only used it three or four times. <laughs> oh, I know. I got to sit there for a week and re relearn everything because I don't pay any attention to it. I've just done it for so long. I, I know how to do it, do what I need to do, and don't even think about it. But when you actually have to take the test on it, it's like you got to kind of remember, <laughs> relearn everything. Yeah. yeah, I picked up the book. I should probably look through it in a little bit and... I think, what was this? Yeah, I got about a month till my license expires on the 16th of next month. Yeah. Yeah, 45 is coming soon. Yeah. I got to I gotta take my Part 107, and then because I actually or do research work with drones, I got to take a, another. There's a Part 137 I have to do. So I'll be in southern Missouri this week going through training on that fun stuff. So is that like an FAA license deal? Yeah, so these, the drones I have, are, they're huge. I mean, 
I can launch that drone up and, and a 200 pound man can grab the struts and I'll pick you up and carry you across the road. Jesus. Yeah. They're not toys. No, that, that's a powerful drone. You, yeah. you could fly beer to the neighbor's place. Oh, yeah. It'll carry, <laughs> carry 200 pounds. Easy. Damn. So that's, that's impressive. One thing, one thing I, I, I bought a, uh, got a DJI Mavic 3 Pro, the small drone. That in the videos I do this year, I want to incorporate more of the drone footage. I think that's always really cool. That makes for a nice video when you can throw some clips of, of a drone view in there. Actually, what HD Traveler, I, I won't have to do that for my Hazmat because I still have my Twit card, which is good for five years. So my Twit, they don't have to redo a background check for my Hazmat. That nice little government ID, which actually I found out also can, uh, you want to buy plane tickets, a Twit card will bypass all security too. I can go right around it all. I found that if you have a concealed carry permit, that works for plane tickets. Just don't bring your gun with you. Well, don't bring the gun, but but to get that, you have to already go through a federal background check. Yeah, and like for me, like with the Twit cards, you go to different ports or whatnot, it gets you access to also government areas and whatnot. So you're all there's a chip in it, and it's all government says you're happy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, Twit card. Yeah, I think they're good for five years. But you got to have those to get into the ports also. Oh, sure. Yeah. I don't miss those. I hated doing the ports. They're a mess. No, don't have to worry a lot about that here in Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't think you would have to. <laughs> so, well, shoot, buddy. Thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for coming on and, and hanging out. Oh, absolutely. Appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so why don't you, you know, go ahead and plug your channel, let everybody know where they can you know, find your adventures and, and follow along. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, at, or not Twitter, on uh, Instagram at IA Hog Rider, and you can find me on YouTube at IA Hog Rider. Both of those, those are the two platforms I, I really play with. Nice. So everybody go check those out and give them a follow, and uh, we can follow along on Iowa Hogs Adventures. There you go. Right on, man. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for tuning in and, and joining in tonight. So uh, we got Milepost 95 coming next Sunday. That post will come out tomorrow. And actually, 96 is already scheduled. That'll be coming out soon. So, yeah, we're getting booked up, getting close to 100, which I, I can't believe. It's awesome, you know. And really enjoy every, all you guys that come in and support the channel, always hanging out, posting questions, and jamming along in the side chat. It's a lot of fun can't do all this and have this much fun without all you guys so thank you to everybody tuning in thanks brad for hanging out and we will catch you guys next sunday so hey ride safe have fun enjoy that open road catch you all soon